You are listening to the Toxic Mold Podcast with my husband, Steve Worsley, the toxic mold expert and your number one source for mold consulting and mitigation in the USA. Here is episode 138, three toxic mold questions. Before we get started on this episode, a short or not so short disclaimer. While all attempts have been made to verify the content provided in this podcast, neither the podcaster or the producers assume any responsibility for errors, omissions, or alternative interpretations of the issues discussed herein. All information stated in this podcast is the opinion of Steve Worsley. Steve Worsley is a mold specialist with over 20 years of experience in the construction and mold industry. The Toxic Mold Podcast is for information sharing purposes only. The views expressed are those of the podcaster and his alone. These views should not be taken as expert instruction or commands. While there may be references to medical conditions and symptoms, all solo podcast episodes are the opinion of Steve Worsley, and any medical questions or concerns shall be addressed with the appropriate licensed medical professional or professionals. As the podcaster refers to different mold types, please be aware that Steve Worsley is not a microbiologist and questions concerning mold specifics should be answered by the appropriate professional. The listener is 100% responsible for his or her own actions. You can check out Steve's books on Amazon about mold and dealing with mold in your home at amazon.com forward slash author forward slash Steve Worsley. And if you're interested in scheduling a mold consultation over the phone consultation with Steve, you can be sure to find out more about those and his availability at cnccontractorservices.com. Now, let's get to the episode. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Toxic Mold Podcast. Christmas is done and New Year's is on its way, Steve. Yep, we're just a few days away from uh, 2022. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. It's been another crazy year. It has been. It's it's been kind of weird. Yeah, we're going to look back at uh, this in history and be like, yeah, remember those COVID days? (laughs) (laughs) You mean those COVID years? Yeah, Yeah. yeah, years. But, uh, yep. We're, we're getting close to the brand new year, which is always good, so. Good. And you're not much of a resolution setter, are you? I'm not. I'm not, but um, the the episode we're going to do next week, um, actually, I got my notes right here, but guess what the title says? Oh, New Year's resolutions. Yeah, I've never been a big fan of those. But this is going to be, these are these are more of uh, not a, I'm going to go to the gym kind of thing. Yeah. This is for our listeners, for how we can have a healthy home in 2022 so but you're right no i'm not not big on resolutions yeah yeah the gyms make a lot of money and i'm sure other entities and they love it because people are like yeah i'm gonna buy a yearly membership to go to the gym and if i buy the yearly membership i'm gonna keep going and then after march they peter out and what do they normally say statistically like it's several weeks, is it? Usually by February 15th, all the people who were raring to go on January 2nd are not. Yeah. So yeah. it's not very long. It's yeah. So for weeks. our listeners, sorry if you guys do it. We just don't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but we'll talk about it next week as far as concerning your home and mold. Yep. But what we're going to talk about today are three of the most common or frequently asked mold questions. You've heard these questions a lot. Yep. Yeah. And I, you know, at the end of the year, I kind of figured we'd just 
not like wrap everything up, but just do a wrap up of the three most common questions we get. And we've talked about all three of them. Uh, just never hurts to talk about it again. This is more of a podcast that's not going to be focused, let's just say, on a, what did we talk about last week? Going to grandma's house? Exactly. So yeah. it's just not something specific. So the, the number one question is, we might as well do a Clorox commercial, but it's, can you use bleach on mold? You hear yep. that a lot. Yep. See, and I wasn't going to mention the, the name brand, but there's lots of bleach <laughs> companies out there. Uh, but yeah, I hear it all the time. Um, it's something that I, I, I try to do a good job with our clients and not, I never try to shame anybody or make them feel like, hey, it's common sense. Because to me, it's common sense. But most people don't understand why you can't put bleach on mold and our listeners all know this i know you know this you can use bleach on a non-porous surface so you can use that on your tile uh, fiberglass bathroom enclosures concrete stuff like that and concrete is somewhat porous so for for the construction nerds out there i want to be clear concrete is somewhat porous if it's not sealed properly but if it if it's a porous surface like and I would even say like this desk, it's all intact, it's painted, but you know, there's a little wear and tear on it. If there was mold there and you sprayed Clorox on there, 95% of Clorox, well, it's most water. brands, is water. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so what happens is, is I can't remember hydro, I don't even know the technical name for whatever chemicals in Clorox because... I don't care that much. Yeah. <laughs> we use so many different chemicals, I don't keep track. But what happens is, is that chemical that's in there, so let's just say it's 5%, it evaporates quickly, and where does that water go? Well, it goes into... Deeper. Yeah, deeper, which then creates an even better environment for mold. Exactly. And mold's just like your tree roots or grass. It wants to keep rooting deeper and deeper. So never use bleach on a porous surface. It's just... I hear it all the time. And it, like I said, it's just kind of, especially when, when we're talking about sheetrock or insulation, and I'm just like, oh man, that is so porous. And you literally just fed the mold source and didn't help anything. So really, the whole point of bleach is that there's so much more water than anything else in it. It actually just feeds the mold. Exactly. If you're putting that on a porous surface. Correct. And I, you know, I want to be clear with our listeners too, that most chemicals, that's how it is. And we use all sorts of chemicals for mold mitigation, but we have other steps we're taking. So am I telling our, our, our listeners? Yeah, it's okay. As long as you know what you're doing. No, it's just, we have, we have a process that we follow and we're not promoting deeper mold growth. So yeah, just don't you just, don't spray any chemicals on what you think is mold. Correct. Plus, another thing that I just thought of, once you spray that, you could be making those mold spores airborne. Ah, okay. That's, so, yeah. And you could have your heater on or HVAC system, and then you start blowing those mold spores everywhere throughout the house. So, just don't do it. It's, like I said, it's something I hear all the time, and I wish people would really follow the advice and just don't spray mold period get a hold of a professional would you also say that bleach is considered a a, a voc a volatile organic compound or no it could be yes yeah, so you then you could introduce other things to people that irritates their health their exactly health. yeah and i mean we have i have a chart right there with vocs on it okay. and so it definitely could be a voc so 
depending on what type of type of chemicals you're using, what type of chemicals you're mixing could really create gases that aren't healthy at all. So and that's a, that's a, brings up a great point. That's why I'm telling our listeners, just don't do it. Yeah. You know, when we're doing what we're, we're doing, we have all the PPE, just, it's, it's just totally different circumstances. It's, you know, like if I had to, I could probably stitch my thumb up, but it probably wouldn't be the best idea. Exactly. So. Leave it to an expert. Exactly. Right. So that's the the first question. The second question that you hear a lot is um, people will ask you, can I do the mitigation on my own? Yeah. Yeah. That's, <laughs> I hear it all the time. And my first answer always is no, never. Don't, you don't ever want to do it on your own. Now the EPA and our certification standards do state that anything below 10 square feet, so nine square feet or less, they can do the mold mitigation. Now, just because that's what the EPA tells us and that's what our certification standards state, I still don't agree with that. Because mold is what? We just had Christmas. Mold is the... Oh, it's the gift that keeps giving. Exactly. And I, 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 I've I, never seen a mold infestation that the only infestation was this little nine square feet, three by three. I've never seen something that small, have you? No. And I mean, you, you've it seen spreads. enough. It spreads. It yeah. spreads. Yep. So, so it's just, it's something that I, I hear that all the time. Um, I also hear, yeah, my, you know, my buddy's a contractor or my uncle or my brother, or whoever, they can fix it. They said, it's not a big deal. You just cut out the sheetrock. That's not how it happens. And yeah, do we cut out sheetrock when we're doing mold mitigation? Absolutely. Yeah. But it's inside a containment. And there's so many other steps going back to, we just talked about bleach. There's so many other steps we're taking, pieces of equipment we're using. If your buddy that's a contractor has all the equipment we have, I would call them a mold contractor, not a general contractor, if that makes sense. That does make sense. And while you might think that you could learn how to do mold mitigation on YouTube, you will never watch enough YouTube videos to be able to do well, that that's well. where I learned. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. You bring up a great point. And that was sarcasm. I'm sure our listeners know, but... Um, yeah, YouTube, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, I just YouTube the other day, we got a check engine light on, on one of our vehicles, and I YouTubed it to see how I have to change out that O2 sensor, so yeah. that's that's working on a car, not not a something that will affect my health, but yeah, YouTube's kind of, it's, it's interesting how, you know, we're trying to regulate misinformation on social media sites or whatever, but they'll let somebody... That's not a professional will show you how to do mold mitigation. Exactly. That's not a good idea. Which, once again, it's like YouTube is good for learning how to uh, fix a leak. Right. But determining how much that leak has created a mold, toxic mold event, which then needs mitigation is a totally... Right. You need a CSI investigation level expert exactly. to come in and look at the specific yeah. situation. Yeah, and I know this is going to sound like a terrible analogy to our listeners, but if... Um, if I wrecked that car that I YouTubed how to put an O2 sensor in, if I wrecked it, you know, I, let's say I hit a deer with it, I'm not going to go to YouTube to figure out what I need to look at, what yeah. I need to fix. I'm going to take it to an auto body shop who uh, has mechanics and has specialists that know what they're doing. So that that that's you know, it's a little bit different comparison, but it's it's very similar. Our, our listeners could fix a leak, but they don't know 
Did it cause wood rot? Did it get down to the materials below that in the basement, in the attic, wherever? Yeah. So it requires expert level analysis. Yep. Yep. YouTube's is... pretty much good for watching music videos, in my opinion. <laughs> and cat videos. <laughs> right? The basics. So so that's the second most common question. The third most common question you get, uh, and this is interesting, especially with mold testing, people want to know what's an what's an acceptable level of mold? Like did did with the air testing, did we pass? Right, you right. get that question so, a lot. So we've um, we've done podcasts about it. I talk about it in my books. There's no pass or fail per se to mold testing, and there's a few reasons I say that. One of the main reasons is the fact that we don't actually have standards, definitive standards that state uh, mold levels of penicillium up to this raw count or this spore count is acceptable. Um, the only time there's really a fail for sure is if we see stachybotrys. Okay. Um, because stachybotrys is the black mold, the toxic mold. Lots of molds are toxic. Our listeners know this. But um, that's that's from wet building material. So that, that's a direct indicator like, hey, there's something going on. Um, I always like to, you know, for the medical side, I like analogies like your doctor. If, if there was something in your blood that your doctor could detect, like immediately there was a, there's something wrong, which I'm not a doctor, but they go off of white blood cell counts and all that. That's how they can tell you have an infection. Am I right or wrong? That's yeah. Okay. Usually white blood cell count is what they use. But there's, I don't think there's something in your blood that they can see like stachybotrys and they go, wow, no, there's something wrong. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. One certain yeah. substance. Yeah, exactly. So with stachybotrys, we automatically, it's a fail because it tells us there's wet building materials somewhere. Okay. Um, and that's why, because stachybotrys isn't a natural mold type outside. Ah, okay. So it's not that it can't be outside. Cross-contamination is huge, but we should, never, we should never detect that on the inside of a home. Correct. And if you do, then that tells you there's a significant problem. Exactly. Which is why it's an automatic exactly. fail. Okay. So going back to your, your question... Everybody reacts to mold differently. So I can't say that, that this this air sample's good versus this air sample. I have to know the the history of the people that are living inside that that property. There's just a lot more to it. And so um, you know, a lot of times when it's a mold infestation, we just covered how large of an area that homeowners could could mitigate. I get that question a lot too. Well, it was only this little little spot of mold in the corner, so it's no big deal. Well, you don't know what's behind the walls and what you can't see. So correct. So and if you see a mold infestation, it's never acceptable to okay. see that. So even if, let's say, in your bathroom ceiling above where the shower is, you see mold, that's not something people should say to themselves. Oh, that's normal because it gets steamy right. in the shower. Exactly. Okay. Nope. And it. What you're seeing is just that little spot of mold there. There could be a major mold infestation above that up in the attic. Or if it's, you know, got a ceiling above it and there's a living area above it. So visible mold means not acceptable. Yeah, any visible mold infestation is not good. Okay. Okay, so the three main questions we talked about today was, can you use bleach on mold? That is a no. Exactly. Uh, And definitely a no on porous surfaces, right? Correct. And can our listeners do mitigation on their own because people think it's too expensive to get it done right? That was a no. Yep. I don't care how small it is. <laughs> exactly. Still a no. There's just, you know, I didn't really cover that, but there's just too many steps that 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 are involved with us 
as professionals, like I said, containments, air scrubbers. There's just, there's, there's too many steps. And I'm not saying that our listeners aren't capable of doing it, but they should have it done by a professional. Correct. It's complex. Yep. And then the third question was, how much mold in a home would you say is acceptable? None. And now when I say none, when we run air tests, we're going to find mold in the air. It's naturally present. As long as it's acceptable levels deemed by the mold technician, that's why we run an outside sample, we determine that compared to the health of the occupants of the home. When I say how much mold's acceptable as far as mold infestation, no mold infestation is acceptable. We see that, you need to go to mitigation. Okay. And if it's visible... Not acceptable. Exactly. Okay. What's your call to action for people? Well, just kind of like we covered, you know, the the myths that you have and, uh, you know, with bleach or my buddy's a contractor. He said he could do it for way cheaper. You don't have to do all this. Just don't believe those myths, honestly. And it's, you're going to get what you pay for. Uh, I, I say that all the time. I say that to my clients all the time. Mold mitigation is not cheap because of all the steps we have to take. But if you want the guy that's going to, Half but it. I was going to say the other word, but <laughs> but if he's not going to do the job the way it needs to be done, let's just say we were going to charge you fifty five hundred dollars and you can have it done for thirty five hundred dollars by the handyman. Well, when you have all sorts of problems because of cross contamination and everything else, you're going to have to pay us to come in anyways. That's true. So, so no shortcuts. Exactly. Do it right the first time. Exactly. And the other piece is. Uh, a lot of people who are either new to the podcast or who haven't listened in a while, you do offer consultations, virtual property assessments. There's a lot that you can do with clients prior to them moving forward with finding somebody local. Exactly. Yep. And the reason I started doing those virtual property assessments was I would have my clients that obviously are not in Wyoming and they would say, well, can you recommend a mold inspector? It just, I don't like to recommend anybody. Um, and those VPAs will give us a good idea that I could say, okay, hey, you know, I always recommend the professional, but hey, we found visible mold. You need to have a mold mitigation company come in. If we didn't find visible mold in the VPA, I say, hey, hire a professional to do air testing. Can our listeners do their own air testing? They can, but once again, I always hire or recommend hiring a professional. But like you said, we have all sorts of packages that, that we do offer. And I'm, you know, our listeners obviously know that I'm very detailed. And so if they want to hire me for mold mitigation project, I'm, I'm the third party that just says, okay, here's what needs to happen. Very, very true. So you heard it. You can find out more about the VPAs, the virtual property assessments, or the mold consultations at cnccontractorservices.com. Yep. We'll catch you in the next episode. Prevent toxic mold exposure before it gets in your home. Download Steve's free mold investigation checklist at tinyurl.com forward slash CNC mold checklist. Again, download Steve's free mold investigation checklist at tinyurl.com forward slash CNC mold checklist.